he found that way to tell even national stories, but put a local spin on it. And he was tireless in, in what he did. He was always researching, always looking for that next great entry for his newsletter. People like Pete Seeger told yeah. Bob Murphy that uh, he loved to get the Beacon Historical Society newsletter. He couldn't wait for it to come so that he could read it. And I will tell you that there are legions of us who felt the same way. You're listening to the Just Sayin' Podcast, offering conversations with experts that will educate, inform, and entertain. Here's your host of the Just Sayin' Podcast, Charlie Cornaccio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Just Sayin' Podcast. You know, memory keepers are such an important part of our history, from our grandparents recounting stories of their lives and then telling the stories of our parents' lives, to local town historians who collect the memories of our community for future generations. Our guest today is a champion of history in her hometown of Beacon, New York. In her earlier days, she was a beauty queen in upstate New York, a TV news anchor. <laughs> she also was recently vice president at Central Hudson Gas and Electric. And is, if that wasn't enough, she is currently the president general of the National Society of the Daughters of the American Revolution. Welcome, Denise Van Buren, to the Just Saying podcast. Oh, my goodness, Charlie Carnaccio. Thank you. What a pleasure to be with you. And thanks for that unbelievably kind and gracious introduction. That's well-deserved. Uh, so you, you left out president of the Charlie Carnaccio fan club. That should have been on that list, that repertoire. <laughs> but otherwise, well done. Uh, right back at you, girl. <laughs> um, okay. Well, we wanted to talk, uh, there's a few things we wanted to talk about. One of the things was uh, your most recent effort in this anthology uh, in, in remembrance of, uh, remembrance of uh, Bob Murphy, who was a historian, uh, memory keeper, storyteller, uh, who passed away in July of this past year, 2020. And you've taken up the charge to keep his memories alive in this new, what is it, 540 pages anthology yeah. of... Of, of, of actual monthly publications that he That's has right. produced over the year, hundreds of stories, thousands of cool, cool 30, photographs. 38 years. 38 mm -hmm. years, yeah. Yes. Uh, of historic yeah. of historic Beacon. So uh, first of all, tell us how you came to meet Bob and you co-authored two books with him. And tell us a little bit about what kind of a person he was. Great, okay, thanks, Charlie. Thanks for the opportunity to talk about an unbelievably human being who I was privileged to call my friend. I first met Bob Murphy. It feels like a thousand ago, but it was more than 30 years ago. I can't imagine, remember a time that I didn't have Bob as a friend. And I first met him, believe it or not, when I was working at US Cablevision in Beacon, New York as an, an anchor on the news show. And it was the 75th anniversary of the city of Beacon, which had been founded in 1913. So in 1988, uh, I suggested this idea that we have an hour long program that honored Beacon's history. And in writing and producing that program, I was introduced to Bob Murphy. And I would like to say that we hit it off and became friends from the instant we met. Uh, Bob was uh, a, an excellent researcher, a devoted photographer. He was a great storyteller and raconteur. Most of all, he was an excellent, a superb local historian. He served as Beacon's official historian for more than 20 years and as president of the Beacon Historical Society for 20 years. Uh, unfortunately, we lost Bob in July, as you mentioned. Um, he had been uh, putting up a valiant fight against prostate cancer and regrettably this summer, very unexpectedly, it moved to some other locations and we lost him far too soon. And um, But combined with his sister and every other member of the Historical Society, I am 
been determined to keep alive his legacy of historic research into Beacon. So to your other questions, uh, after we collaborated on that hour long video program, uh, a decade later, we wrote our first, first book together and that was Historic Beacon. And these are the Arcadia publishing series that you've seen probably for other communities. And this was very well received. Arcadia told us it was one of their best selling titles that they'd ever had. And it, uh, it really is a good foundational course in Beacon's history. So uh, about five years later, uh, Arcadia approached us about putting together another book. And so we put together Beacon Revisited. And this time we had an opportunity to, um, again, tell these stories that are largely lost. You started the program by talking about memory keepers and I've titled our third book that I wrote with, with Bob, honestly, cause it's Bob's works as Beacon's memory keeper and storyteller, Robert J. Murphy. And that uh, phrase, memory keeper and storyteller, actually comes from Bob's remarks at an event that we held, a fundraiser, in 2017. And he talked about the fact that the very best history is storytelling and being memory keepers of a community's communal sense of place and sense of purpose. And no one was better at that than Bob Murphy. And so in homage to him, uh, I titled the book uh, with that, uh, Beacon's Memory Keeper and Storyteller, Robert J. Murphy. Bob, for 38 years, wrote the popular Beacon Historical Society newsletter. Our historical study has more than 400 members. It's one of the largest historical societies in the state of New York. And I can tell you that virtually all of us have joined and enjoyed our membership so much because of Bob's newsletters. Mm -hmm. He and I began collaborating on a book um, when he knew he got sick um, that would encapsulate all of these newsletter entries that he had done. We were working together on it at the time of his death. And uh, he, he, for example, was going to work on getting all of the photographs for me. And regrettably, he passed away. And so I, I really had to scramble. And I spent my summer searching for 1,008 photographs, which I scanned into this book. So it's now 544 pages. It weighs a hefty six pounds. It's hard wow. to see in this light. Wow. I know. It's more textbook, really, than anything else. But um, I assure you, whether you are a lifelong Beacon resident or a newcomer who's just arrived and discovered our wonderful city, you are going to enjoy this book more than you'll ever know because Bob had a knack, Charlie, and that was he found the human interest. He found the human element of these stories that he would write. Um, he was a terrific photographer, a wonderful researcher, and just a, a stalwart supporter of the city of Beacon. He was so proud of the place that he called home and that his family had called home for generations. His dad worked at Texaco and was actually the photographer for the Mount Beacon uh, Ski Lodge. If, if you'll remember that we had a ski uh, yeah. center at yeah. one point on Mount Beacon. And that's where I think in part his love of photography came from. But there wasn't a chapter in Beacon's history that didn't interest him and that uh, he didn't forget more than I will ever know about the city of Beacon. He, he really was a remarkable individual and we lost him far too soon. Yeah. Well, if and you talk about him as a historian and a researcher, his recounts of uh, Lincoln's two passes through, well, it was Fishkill Landing, but Beacon, uh, one on his way to the inauguration yep. and then the other a stop in, as part of his funeral procession. But so, I mean, right. but if you look right. in the book and you look at some of the photographs, I mean, uh, for those people who live in Beacon and didn't know the history or, or have passed through Beacon, uh, to see streets that you commonly see today back in the like 1800s, uh, early 1900s, just incredible stuff. 
Yeah. It's an amazing book because of Bob's lifetime of devotion to Beacon. This really was his entire life, his legacy. He did not marry, did not have any children. His his legacy truly was uh, telling Beacon's story. So I'm just flipping through and you'll, you'll find information about our Civil War veterans, about our factories, about our trolley, about our ferry, about the Mount Beacon Incline Railways, um, about some of our famous residents, people like James Forrestal, um, People like Isaac Van Amberg, who most of you will never know that name, but he's really kind of the, the father of the American circus performer. He's got our institutions, our schools, our hospitals, uh, Matty Wan uh, the, for the criminal, Institution for the Criminally Insane, our, our police department, um, major events that happened in Beacon, like fires and, and great years of construction and boom and bust in the city of Beacon. He left no detail unturned or he uh, refused to ever give up and trying to find the, the, the story that he was looking for. Uh, and he always did it with a smile. I bet everyone you know will tell you that Bob instantly made you feel important when you spoke to him. He was um, somewhat shy, but once you got to knew him, know him, he was really this warm, humorous person. Bob had a terrific sense of humor, which also comes through in his writing. So it's really a privilege for me to have had an opportunity to put this together. It was a little stretch for me. You know, when I did the Arcadia titles, you send off your copy and your photograph and they lay them out and make all the arrangements for not only the printing, but the distribution. But Bob's sister and I, she's the executor of her, his estate. I actually designed and laid out the book. And then I found a, a printing house in Rochester, New York. And I drove there last Friday and I picked up the first delivery books. They sold out about 340 of them over this first past weekend. And we're just getting a second delivery in today, despite the snow. So we're delighted with the reaction to it. But in all, right now, we've ordered about 600 copies. I'm hoping at least 500 of them will sell this holiday season. It makes a great holiday gift. Whether or not you've ever even spent any time in Beacon, I think you'll really enjoy Bob's style of writing. He had a way of putting local incidents into the national conversation and the national context. So, uh, you know, your example you cited about Lincoln was a good one, Charlie. That was our little part of American history. Mm -hmm. But he did that time and time again, every month, you know, finding things. For example, here's one you'd never think about. He wrote this fascinating entry about something called an epizootic that happened in the twin villages as Fishkin and Maddie Mom were called. You probably don't even know what that is. I don't. Right? It was an illness that struck horses. And in an era before uh, automobiles, horses, of course, were the, the mainstay of the business and the economy. And this terrible epizootic struck in the, in the late 1800s. And so Bob writes an entry about that and how it impacted people's lives because they couldn't carry on. They couldn't distribute their goods. They couldn't um, get from the, the, the train landing, you know, up to the mountain when they had to bring goods there. So he found that way to tell even national stories, but put a, lo a local spin on it. And he was tireless in, in what he did. He was always researching, always looking for that next great entry for his newsletter. People like Pete Seeger told yeah. Bob Murphy that uh, he loved to get the Beacon Historical Society newsletter. He couldn't wait for it to come so that he could read it. And I will tell you that there are legions of us who felt the same way. You mentioned the horses, and I think of his story about uh, Ben the fire horse. Right. Of the Tompkins, Tompkins fire hose. Tom, yep. The only fire horse that Beacon ever had, um, beloved here and buried with great fanfare in a field in Glenham. Local stories, the ambulance corps, everything that happened on top of Mount Beacon, from the cottages that were there, to the casinos, to the fires, to the to the actual incline railway itself. So yeah, um, anybody who loves town. history, 
Yeah, we we'll love this book. And you can order it on our website, uh, beaconhistorical.org. Okay. Uh, you will have to pay shipping if you do that. Because of the current COVID situation, we're, we're actually moving in between two locations. We will ship to you, but there is a fee for shipping. Um, otherwise, uh, they are for sale at Bob's Corner Store in Beacon, as well as Beacon Bath and Bubble. All B's for the Bob book, right? Bob's Corner Store, Beacon Bath and Bubble. You've, you've been out uh, kind of uh, uh, meeting people and doing book signings. What's their response been for you? Well, I, I am overwhelmed by the number of people who want to tell me a personal story about Bob, how they would write to him or call him and ask him a question about the history of their house or a question about where their grandfather worked in Beacon, or whatever happened to the factory that used to be down on Lower Main that was lost in urban renewal. So many people have come up to me and told me research that he did just because he loved to research the history of his hometown, but things he never wrote about. Oh. He, he was writing about other things, but time and trouble that he went to to help people answer their questions about the city of Beacon. You know, it's wonderful that so many people have discovered the city beacon as a great place to live. But for those of us who've had the privilege, I was not born there. And actually right now I live uh, outside of the city. I live in the little hamlet of Chelsea, but I'm in the beacon city school district. I used to live in beacon and I'm a five time past president of the beacon historical society. But for those of us who know beacon, we always know it's, it, we've always known it's been such a great place, right? Um, a wonderful sense of community, yeah. not uncommon in beacon to find two and three generations of family members who live on the same street because they want to, and because that's their neighborhood, not uncommon to find people who will tell you, you know, oh, that was my great grandfather's house. You know, this wild sense of community here, which I think is a great contributor as to why it's now being discovered by people. Beautiful location between magnificent Mount Beacon and the Hudson River, just a, a beautiful scenic location, but it's that sense of community that makes us such a remarkable place to live and work. Yeah. He, uh, Bob wrote an article in uh, November of 2018 about how history matters because history is it's who we are and why we are the way we are. And I wonder, you know, how many people you obviously do, but understand the importance of that kind of hist deep history. Yeah. Well, you know, memory is a fickle thing and it oftentimes doesn't last beyond a generation. So if we don't share these stories with our children and leave them for our grandchildren to discover, it's entirely possible they will never appreciate the significance of our area in that American drama, that American story. We, for example, were once home to uh, dozens of beautiful Hudson River Valley estates that are all gone. We had one of the longest running ferries in American history, ran from 1740 when it was commissioned by the King until 1960 when it was obviously replaced by the, the Newburgh Beacon Bridge. One of the earliest trolley systems in the state of New York, early electric um, power due to the factories that were here, Many people know we were the second largest manufacturer of hats in the United States, but in truth, our factories made so many different products, everything from uh, locomotives to baby carriages to uh, uh, leather coats and, and, and all these various um, products that were made in the factories of Beacon. There are still, for example, ovens that were made by Duchess Oven that every once in a while will get a letter at the Historical Society from a restaurant somewhere in Europe who's saying, I'm still using my Duchess Oven. <laughs> Pretty remarkable. Pretty remarkable, really. Yeah. Yeah. Can't say that for newer stuff today that no. uh, you know breaks down so quickly. 
All right. So I'll give you, I'll give our, our listeners, our viewers a, a little bit of, of history of my own. Great. And, and that is that my television career started about 30 years ago and it was all due to this woman <laughs> right here. Denise Van Buren was the news director. She was the news anchor. Uh, she ran that show and I was just the guy editing and she gave me the opportunity to be the very first sportscaster that was uh, hired for um, Cablevision News, uh, News Center 6. And, um, and that launched a career for me that had given me so much opportunity to meet so many people in the community that I would not have met and to do some good things in the community as well, because I had a bit of a platform to do that with. None of that would have happened if you didn't give me that opportunity to give me that shot. So I wanted to just shout oh. you out for that. Well, that's indicative of how thoughtful you are, Charlie. See, I did make one right decision in this life. <laughs> and uh, I'm grateful to think that at least I had a small part in it. So thanks. And um, it's hard to believe all those great things happened in 30 years ago, but uh, yeah. it's been a wonderful ride. Uh, as you mentioned, I spent 26 and a half years at Central Hudson working for one of the greatest companies in the Hudson River Valley with some wonderful people. And uh, what a privilege it's been to make so many friends and meet so many community leaders, as you just mentioned. And uh, between Cablevision and that job at Central Hudson, there are times I just wonder how I got to be so blessed to be fortunate enough to, to live here and to love, uh, you know, beacon love where I live, um, wake up every day and be an American citizen. It's a joyful ob obligation that I have to pay it all back. So that's why I write the books I do. And uh, we're not making any money off of this book. We're hoping to get our printing costs back. And then a, a, a portion of each contribution supports the work of the Beacon Historical Society. So uh, we'd be grateful for anybody's support. I, I got to touch on uh, the Daughters of the American Revolution and your role as the president general. That's a big job. You have major responsibilities. We talked about it offline. Share with our viewers what your requirements are in the term of your presidency? Sure. Well, um, the Daughters of the American Revolution is a hereditary society. Most people know that. We're all descended from the patriots who aided the cause of American independence. Uh, but much beyond that, we are a service organization. So um, since I went into office in June of 2019, for example, our members have logged more than 7 million hours of community service. We're the largest volunteers at VA medical centers. We support active duty military personnel. We, of course, uh, support historic preservation. This is a good example of it, the, the book that I wrote about Bob. Uh, we support uh, local community classrooms as well as several DAR schools. We have a threefold mission, historic preservation, education, and patriotism. And I find more and more that those are areas that really resonate with today's American women. We have about 186,000 members, uh, nearly 3,000 chapters across the country, and we do have more than 20 units in, in other countries as well. Some of them are descendants of soldiers, for example, who came here to the United States with Lafayette, oh, but who returned and were French citizens. So we have two large chapters in France. But in addition to the wonderful service nature and the amazing women that you meet from a, a really around the globe uh, as a result of being involved in DAR, we also happen to own a little piece of property. Uh, it is what's uh, considered the most valuable piece of real estate owned by women anywhere in the world. It is right in the heart of Washington, DC. It sits on the national ellipse uh, to its left. Looking out is the White House and to its right is the Washington Monument. My, my beautiful office in DC overlooks the Washington Monument. We have a magnificent library and museum that features exhibits as well as 31 period rooms of American furniture. 
And then on the other end of the block, we have a 4,000 seat auditorium, DAR Constitution Hall. It's really an epicenter of entertainment and thought uh, in our nation's capital. Uh, everything from lectures to comedy shows to concerts are held there. Uh, Jeopardy has filmed several times in our building when they come to town, as has Wheel of Fortune. But uh, just about every big name show that comes into the District of Columbia comes into uh, our beautiful auditorium. And I have been given the gift of restoring it, Charlie. I, I never take the easy way out. I'm in the midst of about a $14 million restoration of our beautiful hall in Washington, D.C. I'm telling everyone from the seats to the ceilings and beyond. Uh, but I have to even say, much to my surprise, when we pulled out those seats, we found the entire floor from 1930 had crumbled and I had to lay a new concrete floor as well. So I got to come up with a new expression, but um, it's an epic undertaking of a beautiful building. And it's really a privilege for me. As I said, um, we have about 186,000 members. I'm the 45th woman to ever have been given the honor of serving as our president general. So uh, I've devoted really so much of my free time to this organization because I believe so passionately in what we stand for. Uh, we have a love of country and, and that's, that's what motivates us to do what we do. We feel a joyful obligation to ensure that the vision and the sacrifice of our patriot ancestors is appreciated by today's citizens. We're very supportive of new citizens. In fact, we wrote literally the naturalization handbook for, for new citizens coming into the United States. We just want people to understand what it means to be an American, the rights and the responsibilities of citizenship here and to appreciate what an amazing country this is and, and all that it offers its citizens. And it's a great way for me as a citizen to be involved. I will add that uh, out of those 45 women who've served as president general, I am the first to be a blue star mother. My son is currently a captain in the US Army uh, stationed at Fort Carson in Colorado. And so in all those years, since 1890, when we were founded, I'm the first woman who's actually a blue star mother too. So in so many ways, it's a very, very special journey for me. If you take a look at the Daughters of the American Revolution, Facebook page. You'll see a lot of what Denise is talking about. We're showing some of the other pictures as well. But there's a video here, which you guys did a brilliant job of decorating for the holiday season. So uh, if you get an opportunity, go to Facebook, take a look at that. We'll show you a little bit of it here. But Denise hosts this little tour of all the lights uh, during Christmas. It just looks so, so well, beautiful. Thanks. Uh, we tried to make some lemonade there, Charlie, because we couldn't have our annual open house. We normally throw open our doors and have a beautiful open house for the general public to come in, see our buildings, everything from Santa to uh, carolers to hot chocolate and cookies. This year, because of COVID, we couldn't do it. And so we, we redoubled our efforts on the exterior. I would also like to invite uh, your listeners and viewers, if they are interested, if you search on YouTube for DAR Constitution Hall U.S. Army Band Concert from 2019, you will have an opportunity to enjoy a concert from the stage at Constitution Hall. I was at that concert last year when the U.S. Army Band performed for the holidays, and it's really just a great holiday show for your family, and it will give you a great appreciation for DAR Constitution Hall. So that's another um, thing that I can recommend for folks. Uh, we can't all be together this year for Christmas, but we can find ways to really celebrate together still. Yeah. Well, Denise, we want to thank you so much for coming on the Just Saying podcast. Uh, once again, give us the uh, the website for the book. Sure. Uh, so the website for the book is www.beaconhistorical.com. 
www.ghostbusters.org. And if you're interested in learning more about your family history or you're into genealogy and you know you're eligible to join, I'd also like to encourage people to look at www.dar.org. Uh, we have a location finder there for all of our 3,000 chapters. You can find one near you. And um, our ladies will help you with your genealogy as long as you do the first three generations. And nothing makes us happier than to welcome more women to our important mission. So whether you're supporting the Beacon Historical Society or supporting the DAR, I'm grateful. Um, they're two institutions that mean a lot to me because they, they help to tell our story as a people and hopefully uh, encourage uh, future generations to appreciate what it means to be an American. Well, Denise, you are an inspiration to me. You're an inspiration to everyone you come in contact with. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks, Charlie. Hey, happy holidays, my friend. Yep. Merry Christmas. Thanks. All right. Anyway, that will do it for this edition of the Just Saying Podcast. Make sure that you never miss an episode of the Just Saying Podcast with Charlie Carnaccio by subscribing. Or you could also find it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, any podcast platform that you get your podcast from or on YouTube and Facebook for the video version of the podcast. Make sure to download or order my book, How I Met My Mother and the Four Brothers I Never Knew I Had. And you can get that through Barnes and Noble uh, or wherever you download your books. That will do it for this edition. Thanks for watching. Stay safe and be kind. We'll see you next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Sayin' Podcast. 